Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of power. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Who's that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor, a name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Welcome everyone to episode 202 of the DCAU Review. That rhymes. Uh, my name is Liam and with me as he always is is Cal. Cal, we are wrapping up the month of March here and uh, we have a, a pretty fun last episode of Batman the Animated Series to talk about, at least for right now. That is right. You're a poet, and you didn't even know it. Look at you. <laughs> Look, I'm a poet, too. Love <laughs> uh, the family. There we go. Uh, that's right, Liam. We are wrapping up uh, a fun month. It's been a monumental month. We had our 200th episode just a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Last week, we had uh, just an amazing opportunity to have Jordan Gibson on the podcast as well. If you've not checked out either of those episodes, make sure you check them out in the archives at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app or on the pod tower on YouTube. Uh, those are options for you to check out those episodes. Some really fun things we've covered this month, but uh, yeah, we wrap things up with one of those episodes that if you watched all of Batman, the animated series probably stands out as one of the more memorable ones, just because of the, <laughs> who the main antagonist is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe doesn't go down in, in the greatest of all time episode discussion once everything is <laughs> done here, but uh, be interested to chat this with you today as we cover fire from Olympus, the uh, maxi Zeus centric episode here that we have and uh, excited to chat about this one with you today. Absolutely. Definitely a lot to get to with our four categories of plot, visuals, music, and voice acting. But before we get there, Cal, we have a couple of pieces of business to take care of. First being, of course, the air date, which you will give us in just a moment. And of course, I must also read the official IMDb synopsis sponsored by the Pod Tower YouTube channel, where you can hear our reviews as well as content 
from some other great DCAU content creators. So before I hit the synopsis, Cal, uh, let's find out when this episode originally aired. That's right, Liam. It originally aired back on the Fox Kids Network or Fox Kids Affiliates back on May the 24th, 1993, meaning we're coming up here on the 24-year anniversary. I'm sorry, the 29-year anniversary, not the 24-year, 29-year <laughs> anniversary of this episode's original debut. That's right. And this is the synopsis for Fire from Olympus which has a story by Paul Dini with uh, his official writing credit given to Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens. Uh, hyphenated last name there. Uh, it is directed by Dan Reba with music by the great Shirley Walker. And uh, another episode this week with uh, animation by Dong Ying, but with layouts by Spectrum. And though that synopsis reads as such. An energy weapon developed army has disappeared and batman discovers that a mad shipping magnate who who now fancies himself the god zeus will use it to devastate gotham all right they tripped me up with the word fancy i was gonna say i would normally for the length of that description like there's a fine line between like a, a sh- one that's way too short you know clearly just tried to fill in get, get in and get out as quickly as possible like that's not good and then there's the ones that go on on and on and on and on which kind of like this one did however <laughs> the fact that they use the word fancies himself the phrase fancies himself uh i think gives some extra points so i give that a b plus that's <laughs> The, the uh, effective use of, of language there uh, you know, brought that, that grade level up a little bit. Uh, I totally agree with you. But uh, yes, that will bring us into our plot here. And uh, as the, uh, the synopsis suggests, we are dealing with the debut of a new rogue. We kind of actually have a little bit of a, it's not quite a cold open in the sense that we do get the, uh, the title sequence, of course, first. And then we get our great title card, which we'll certainly talk about in visuals. But we see Commissioner Gordon sort of standing on the streets of Gotham, seemingly waiting to meet up with some sort of an associate or informant. And before that person can meet up with Gordon, he is accosted by two thugs who uh, it's very clear that things are going wrong for this man who we come to find out is named Stavros. And as he sort of r- tries to run away from the thugs, he ends up down an alley with a, with a dead end seemingly almost literally as a, as a man sort of completely encased in silhouette comes out and makes some pretty grand proclamations about having to come down to the world of mortals. against me. Then you force me to descend to the mortal plane. And now you say I know not what I think? No! To the depths of Tartarus with you! (laughs) 
then uh, what appears to happen as we find out as we answer the next scene here is that Commissioner Gordon finds the man and is able to get him to the hospital. He isn't dead, but uh, it does appear that despite there not being a cloud in the sky, this person, this Stavros, who was an informant for Gordon, as we come to find out, uh, seems to have been struck by lightning. Yeah, it's a, it's a mystery. How could this possibly have happened? Of course, Gordon actually mentions uh, mentions that he was there to meet him to kind of get some information from him uh, so that he could pr- cut a deal with the feds. Batman seems to believe that this uh, Stavros uh, fellow was actually wanted by Interpol for some he had been giving some shipping, uh, some shipping details out uh, that to some hijackers, and that allowed them to hijack the different shipments. And uh, so he was wanted by different government agencies, and thus uh, the information he was going to provide to Jim Gordon was somehow going to allow him some leverage in a deal with the feds. But uh, in this whole thing, we learned that Batman also believes uh, or understands that uh, this particular weapon that Jim Gordon reveals to him that's been stolen uh, was also somehow trafficked in and, and may have something to do with the the, the uh, attack on Stavros here. And uh, what we learn is that something called an EDC, also known as an electron discharge cannon. Which and if you experience EDC, <laughs> consult your doctor. Uh, just that's all right. Let's Oh, come on. I could not. Do that, that was great timing. <laughs> Perfect comedic timing with that one. Yes, that's right. EDC. It's, it is a serious thing and there is help out there for you. <laughs> yes. No, this is electronic. I'm sorry. Electron discharge cannon, which apparently was a joint venture between uh, the European and U- U.S. countries to create this super weapon. And Jim Gordon happens to have a videotape handy of the classified information of the mm-hmm. testing of this cannon. And we see that it's quite uh, it's quite sci-fi looking. It's certainly something set in this 1930s noir style of, of sci-fi with sort of the Tesla coils and the mm-hmm. big ball ends. It, it looks like something you would see certainly in a Fleischer Superman cartoon or, or like I said, like an early 30s sci-fi cartoon but Mm -hmm. uh, that particular item went missing and stravos may or may not uh, have some information about that and they begin to speculate as to whether this may be something related to why he had this attack on him and as batman is sort of looking at the file that that gordon gave him on stravos he notices the the logo up in the corner uh, for the company that Stavros was working for and decides to pay the CEO a little bit of a visit. And that's where we get the introduction to uh, Maximilian Zeus or, or Maxi as he's known in this, in this episode. Yeah. And, and right off the bat, we're, we're told that he's uh, he's pretty out to lunch as far as uh, where his psyche is. We get some sort of expositional dialogue from his, uh, his assistant slash girlfriend. <laughs> The grand jury is building another case and I can't stop them this time. There are allegations of bribery, extortion, and racketeering all pointing back to you, Max. Sure, I'm your assistant, but there's only so much I can do on my own. Max? Maxie? Come on, look at me when I'm talking to you. You bore me with these tales of petty human concerns. You're doing it again, Maxie. You are Cleo, my muse of history. 
Amuse me with tales of ancient times when mortals trembled at the name of Zeus. You want a story? I got one. Seems there was this guy named Max who, because he had been lucky so far in the smuggling racket, believed himself to be untouchable, superior, godlike. There's a cynical edge to your voice I don't appreciate. Know you not, I am above mortal constraints of right and wrong? No one is above the law, Max. I make my own laws. Leo, who is, uh, she's explaining that, you know, that the, the feds are really building a case against him this time and they're, they need to take it seriously and they're not going to be able to protect him forever. And he's just completely and totally seems convinced that he is, in fact, that isn't just a nickname, that he is, in fact, the mythical god Zeus and that uh, any of these problems facing uh, facing him are are nothing because of his his great power and and uh, before we can have too much uh, further dialogue between those two, we see the bat plane just uh, <laughs> just hovering up towards towards the top of this uh, giant skyscraper, which is sort of structured, and we'll certainly talk about that in visuals. I'm sure, sort of structured. The top of it is structured like a a Greek temple or with mm-hmm. like and everything it's this big open air uh, 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 roof that uh, that Maximilian has his uh, has his office in I guess and so Batman begins to discuss things with him and sort of tries to pull some information out of him and uh, as their conversation goes on it becomes clear that uh, Max is is just so far gone into this delusion and paranoia that Batman is probably barking up the wrong tree and if if that message wasn't hit home quite hard enough he then uh, reveals that he has gargoyles uh with machine guns in their eyes <laughs> and threatens to sick them on batman along with this uh the special lightning bolts they're his harpies uh, they're not gargoyles right. they're his harpies liam <laughs> correct i should <laughs> yeah. but yes they uh, all of his they, dialogue uh, drips with just the greek mythology and as we'll talk about maybe later in yes. roman mythology at times and all of the mythological <laughs> sense he also speaks very in a very shakespearean type of dialect Mm -hmm. with these and thous and uh yeah it's 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 a very rosy way of delivering his clearly somebody who as you mentioned is is a bit uh is a bit uh a a few a few knives short of the utensil drawer maybe i don't know there you go yeah as as to your point he even uh is referring to batman in this scene as hades and and when uh his assistant says uh no this is this is batman <laughs> uh, he is he's very quick to dismiss that so batman does uh, sort of agree to retreat and live to fight another day here and uh we kind of just cut to the next scene where we again see this uh this assistant slash girlfriend of max he's sort of longingly looking at a photo of them together before he he sort of broke down and, and very quickly batman appears in her apartment and she begins to explain that you know, he was a good, kind-hearted man, but as, as business got tough and, and bills began to pile up, he began to sort of deal with illegal smuggling and other favors for the mob uh, coming in on the ports for the shipping company that he owns. And that uh, as, as it went on, he just got more and more paranoid and more and more delusional and to the point where he sort of retreated into this, this fantasy world where he believes that he is in fact Zeus. Come back to me, Maxie. What do you want? 
the same thing you do to help Maximilian Zeus. He wasn't always this way, you know. But then business got bad and he started handling cargo for the mob. After a while with the pressure, the tension, things got confused. He's not living in the real world anymore. Maybe you can relate to that. You're the only one who can get me close enough to help him, while some of the man you knew still exists. So she and Batman kind of hatch a plan that they're, which in, I guess, I don't know if we wait till the end to talk about this. This is like where this episode breaks down a little bit for me because Batman's plan is uh, he rides in her trunk of her car. She leaves him in the parking garage and then immediately they both get caught. So it's not a, uh, <laughs> it's not a great plan here, but we do get some fun action beats as once, uh, once they sort of go their separate ways, Batman is runs afoul of a few different uh, animal animals that Zeus has in his uh, in the various levels of this giant skyscraper, including a snake and a warthog. And we see, in fact, that uh, while that is going on, while Batman continues to sort of tangle with those things, uh, Cleo sort of makes one last appeal to Max to get him to stop all of this uh, insanity. And it seems like she might get through to him. For just a moment but then the uh the madness returns and he not only does he still want to go ahead and begin firing this electron electron discharge cannon all over gotham but he's going to strap her to the front of it <laughs> and uh and really just show her show her and he believes that the the fire of olympus will will baptize her and turn her into a goddess so he's just really well and truly gone and that kind of sets up our our final act here that's right. Yeah, that's that's not not or that's immediately after, by the way, finally, we get to, we get to see uh, why there are no police blimps in real life. The the Zeppelins of the <laughs> 1930s were didn't carry over into the modern world just because of the potential fiery crashes that uh, that were discovered when the original uh, Led Zeppelin went up in flames. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, maybe maybe we learned a little bit of that as he uses this uh, <laughs> this cannon to blast one of the police blimps out of the sky. Uh, I I do. There's a bit of dialogue there where she's like, "Maxie, someone could have been killed," which definitely was a, was put in there for to avoid standards and practices issues, mm -hmm. <laughs> because clearly ain't nobody surviving a fiery blimp crash <laughs> in the blimp, let alone the people on the ground where the blimp crashes into the the crowded streets below. But they somebody could have been killed was the throwaway line. But yes, as you mentioned, she's strapped to this this cannon, and as the cannon begins to warm up, of course, Batman. Uh, reveals himself to be there having survived not only a battle with what appears to be an anaconda or something, some sort of large gigantic snake. And then on top of that, also a wild boar uh, who ran through a wall and ultimately kind of hurled Batman off of a ledge. Batman survives a many story drop by hanging onto the side of the building and then manages to scale up the rest of the building to reveal himself just in time and as we mentioned before, uh, so Zeus had had two cronies. He had two henchmen, uh, one of whom he shocked uh, and, and incapacitated because he refused to strap Cleo to the front of the weapon. Mm -hmm. The other one 
did listen to him. But then at this point, when Batman's there, he figures that, hey, this is probably getting a little bit too crazy. And Zeus decides to turn the aforementioned, uh, the, the aforementioned, what did we call them? The, uh, the harpies. The harpies. That's right. The harpies. The aforementioned harpies in uh, on both Batman and his own men. Uh, so these <laughs> machine gun, uh, their eyes are actually machine guns, and they're shooting, and they sort of, you know, are just doing every shooting everything in their path. So Batman and the luckily the one hench guy jumps in the pool, which apparently bullets cannot go into water. So that's <laughs> good, good news for the henchman. He's able to be safe because of that. And Batman, despite there's this one visual, which I guess I could have saved to talk about it visuals, despite Batman literally standing in front of the gunfire at one point is not hit by the, by the other. He manages to pull one of them over and then, he manages to pull a, a grenade, a bat grenade. Didn't just know he was- a straight up grenade. Just a straight up grenade, pulls it out, jams it into the harpy's mouth, which is a kind of, kind of a cool thing and, uh, and causes it to explode, which allows him uh, to get over and, and save Cleo before he, uh, the actual cannon kicks off. He's able to disable the, the weapon and, uh, and pull her off of it. And as uh, Batman, Batman appears to have been hurled to his death as he and he and Zeus, Maxi Zeus, go into fisticuffs at that point. Uh, Batman uh, manages to come back and kind of surprise sneak attack, grab Zeus's thunderbolt and hurl it towards the cannon before he can actually launch it as he was probably going to just begin a, a, a destructive path at this point and kill, <laughs> kill the all of the citizens of Gotham but he hurls his his uh, thunderbolt that he's been carrying around that's been electrifying people and hurls it into the cannon which causes the cannon to malfunction Maxi Zeus not at this point completely gone jumps out to grab onto it and electrifies himself at that point falling and i don't know if you caught this but landing directly on his head mm -hmm. like flat on the top of his skull at this now point he should be dead but if the electricity didn't get him the fall should have gotten him for Correct. sure but uh, of course this is a a warner brothers kids cartoon so he survives and we get our final scene <laughs> here where he is uh he's being brought into arkham asylum and he uh, he says, well, now this truly is heaven. And he looks through the various different villains and names them. He sees Poison Ivy and Two-Face and the Joker. And Now, this is truly Olympus. Surely it can be no other place. This beautiful Demeter, goddess of the harvest, Double-faced Janus, lord of beginnings and endings. And Mary Hermes, the trickster of the gods. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now at last, 
Mighty Zeus is home. And that's kind of where we're left off. He believes he's truly home now, and we get a, a pan out shot on Arkham Asylum at that point. So I guess all's well that ends well. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess we can go ahead and give our, our, our final thoughts here on the plot and, and get to our scores here. I, yeah, this episode is interesting because I feel like the opening is real strong with the, the bit with Gordon, you know, and the, and the, you know, Zeus sort of appearing in all silhouette and threatening this guy and not, you know, and hitting him with a bolt of lightning. And then, you know, that seems like Batman and Gordon are really going to be on like the detective case for this one. But then Batman figures out who's responsible like three minutes into the show. And then it felt like, well, he can't fight him yet. <laughs> so he has to show up and then leave and come back. And then he has to climb. And we have to have a reason why he can't just fly the bat plane up to the top again yeah that i didn't understand i was like why does he have to go in from the bottom of this skyscraper and get to the top is the bat is the bat plane not bulletproof could it not could you not use the big claw thing that's that exactly what i was thinking to take out the harpies or the cannon for that matter right uh i don't know so it felt it feels like one of those episodes where we had an idea of hey wouldn't it be cool if you know, Batman's going through this guy's penthouse and he comes across a statue and then the snake turns real and then, you know, he runs afoul of a couple different animals. Like, those things are fun and we'll certainly talk about that in visuals. But I thought from a narrative perspective, this episode was like a little light. Like, it just didn't feel like it had enough for even a 22-minute cartoon. Either, I feel like you had to either extend the, the portion where Batman is trying to figure out where to go or there needs to be a reason why he can't just go or, or what's going on there. Or I don't know, maybe you could do more like a more comedic tone to it. And you see like more of the thugs and Cleo reacting to all these crazy things. Maxi Zeus does. We get a little bit of that uh, and of, of Cleo sort of going to the, to the, to the two thugs and being like, Hey, like he's really, really lost it. When's the last time you've even seen him wear real clothes and they're <laughs> kind of, they're kind of shrugging it off. So maybe if they had leaned more into the comedy side of this, I would have enjoyed it more. That being said, I mean, I think it's, it's a fine episode. It's just, uh, I thought it was a little, uh, a little uneven in that way. And so uh, I ended up settling on a five out of 10 for plot. Yeah, I ended up giving it a six out of 10. Um, the only reason I think I went just a tick higher with my score is I really do like the the idea of the Maxi Zeus character because it mm -hmm. is it is very similar. If you're a fan of Batman 66, uh, the, the King Tut character from Batman 66, yes. it's sort of like loosely based on that. The idea, obviously, he was a, a the King Tut character was like an Egyptian professor, like a, a professor on historical egyptian culture or something like that that gets hit in the head and thinks that he's king tut so it's not one-to-one -one, but there's definitely similarities in this where somebody has a, a a mental breakdown and now they think that they're they're this historical figure or in this case it's a mythological figure but i i think i think there's something there and, I, and with paul dini's name attached to it it seems very much like there should have been more of that comedy like you said and i think there is a lot in the dialogue 
And we'll get into that in the voice acting portion here in just mm-hmm. a minute. But I think there is some of that that comes through there with, with the flowery dialogue and the fact that this grown man thinks that he's actually the, the God of, of thunder. Like he's literally Zeus come to life. And uh, he, all of the characters that he interacts with are also gods. And especially that inter- the first interaction between him and Batman, where he calls Batman Lord Hades and there's all this flowery dialogue between him and 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 batman is is great um so i did enjoy that but i think you're right i think if there had been like a little bit more setup maybe we have more than one person have this attack uh, being attacked mm-hmm. or he you know he rubs out one or two informants that and that causes batman to be all right what's because he does pull things together very quickly. He he literally looks at the logo, sees that it, there's like a lightning bolt in it. It's like, oh, well, that must be the case. So if there had been, if they'd kind of stretched that out a little bit where Batman had to do a little bit more detective work, I think that that could have helped. I think you're right. Maybe a little more of the backstory between uh, Cleo and, and Zeus could have helped also because it did seem, like you said, it's, she identifies herself as his assistant at first. And then later on, we discovered that there was a sort of a romance between them. But I guess maybe they didn't want it to be too similar to Two-Face or maybe some of the clay part of the last Clayface episode or, you know, Mm -hmm. some of those other ones where you already have had the, the, the damsel that's not quite in distress, but is, is the supportive girlfriend that's just distraught because, you know, the man that she loves has gone off the deep end and she has to do what she has to do to, to try and save him from it. So I, I guess maybe they were going for something a little different there, but it does feel very it's light on action and the fact that you had to have Batman tackle an anaconda and a wild boar as your, as your main sort of, (laughs) it's like your midpoint action point for the episode because it is just Maxi Zeus literally is just a guy. He's physically seems a a bit intimidating. He's, he seems to be bigger than Batman size wise, but there's nothing that, that we know of that would lend us to think that he would be anything uh, of a challenge to Batman other than the fact that he has this weapon with him. So maybe if there was an initial fight between the two of them where he got the best of Batman and then we get, you know, we get round two where now Batman has to overcome whatever he lost in the first one that could have added to it. But I, I don't think you're wrong. I think there was, there's a lot of pieces here that feel like they were parts of episodes. Like <laughs> this would have been a good straight comedy episode, or this would have been a great tragedy episode or a great you know uh batman has to do detective work episode but it's just kind of cherry picked and we kind of get little pieces of all those things and it it just kind of makes up makes it a a bit of an average showing of it yeah i think that's totally fair um and then reflected in both of our scores that will move us on to visuals and animation as mentioned this episode was directed by dan reba and we have, uh, once again this week, animation provided by Dong Yang, but with a layout services by Spectrum. So uh, what, what stood out to you this week as far as the visuals, Cal? Well, I think kicking things off, uh, we have, a, we have a, a very interesting looking title card, as you mentioned here. We have a, really just a stunning one, clearly, that was done on that, that black, dark paper that they did all their drawings on. And uh, we get this visual really is you get these clouds sort of surrounding the, what we looks like Mount Olympus. And that kind of sets us 
along with the music, which we'll talk about next, but gives us the setting for really what this episode is going to be all about and, and how it's steeped in that Greek mythology. So I did enjoy that. I thought that's a, that's maybe not one of the title cards that you would look back at and say, Oh yeah, that's, that's one that sticks in my head, but it fits for the episode. I feel like um, for what the episode needed, but um, the rest of the episode, I think this episode struggles based on what we said before with the plot, with not having uh, a set tone. I do think that the beginning scene was very strong. I love that it opens up with the striking of a match as Gordon's standing there waiting. And maybe you think he's waiting for Batman. You're not sure, but he strikes this match so that he can look at his watch. I thought that was a tremendous visual. And then leading that into this, this panicked informant that's running away and cornered into this alley and just, you can feel the angst and anxiety coming out of him as this car pulls up. And as you mentioned, we get this this silhouette shot of you know this unknown character but this gigantic man who we you can tell obviously knowing who the character is the silhouette matches that maxi zeus character but (laughs) it's just a giant intimidating intimidating man uh when at at first glance so uh, i did think that that was done very well but i think the rest of the episode sort of suffers from just a lack of um like it feels like it should be a little bit more cartoony since he's a bit of a cartoony character. Um, I get it. He's just a businessman, but he also has happens to have like this chess set that features different characters and stuff like that (laughs) on it. And he has a, he has a place where he's hidden his giant cannon that sort of comes out of the roof of his building and has these giant doors that opens up and it swings out and he has this thunderbolt. So maybe having some more, I don't know, mythological items on his rooftop that that could have been interesting to look at could have helped out but um yeah i i I think that like i said i think this suffered a little bit because there's not a ton of action in it we get we get batman investigating a little bit we get this scene between him and and zeus on the roof like what i said like i said is good for the plot and certainly the voice acting but really we don't get much action until he gets Batman gets discovered and ends up having this battle with the anaconda. And then I did like the wild boar because you're staring at this, you're staring at what looks like a tunnel and it's a trick because the, the screen begins shaking and you think that something's going to come out of this. And then you realize it's a wall and something bursts through the wall as opposed to it actually being a tunnel. And I've seen this episode a ton before. (laughs) And every time I watch this, I forget that it's not an actual tunnel, that it's a wall and he busts through the wall. But so I don't know why they chose to do that, but it was a neat trick. Um, (laughs) So I, I did enjoy that. Um, and I think there is one scene as Batman goes to Cleo's apartment to, to, to kind of get information about what happened to Maxie and why he is the way that he is. And she's sitting there on her couch sort of crying and looking at this picture of herself and Maxie in better times and the lightning strikes and Batman appears over her shoulder and kind of spooks her. But I, those surprise Batman appearances are, are, are always fun. Um, I think uh, other than that, though, I, I liked the, uh, the harpies. Those are kind of cool. I remember those, those gargoyle things, the machine Mm -hmm. gun eyes. Those are, those are some, some pretty neat looking designs. I love that the mouth was just big enough for Batman (laughs) to shove a grenade in. (laughs) And then we do get to see the head bounce over, uh, in sort of, Hey, you know, this isn't a real thing. So we can be as, be as gross and dismember as many things as we can with this. Um, 
And then I think going back to the, the original introduction as, as Batman comes up to quote unquote Mount Olympus for the first time to visit Zeus, we get uh, him coming out of the, the bat plane was a, was a neat, a neat reveal. But uh, other than that, I didn't have a ton uh, that seems like maybe more than I said originally, but there's, I don't feel <laughs> like there's a lot that's memorable from the episode that was worth notating where I went. Oh, that's great. What about you? Yeah, I think the things that came back to me as I was watching it were uh, when he's walking through sort of the, the the museum level and he looks at the statue and then goes to walk away, then suddenly the snake is, is animated and sort of slithers around him. And mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty standout sequence in the way he sort of is struggling with that and then uses some sort of gas to get it off him. I think that's a, that's a fun scene. Uh, there's a there's a shot kind of right at the end once uh cleo has been strapped to the uh to the cannon and it looks like all hope is lost where all of a sudden batman having survived his uh fall out the window thanks to the warthog finally appears on top of the thing and just kind of again see him sort of rising up from below and i think there's some there's some pretty yeah there's definitely some cool batman appearing shots throughout this episode and uh, yeah, that that opening sequence, I think, um, as as I mentioned, when when Stavros is kind of runs into the uh, to the dead end, and then he turns around and and Maxi Zeus steps out of the car, and he's completely in silhouette, and he's doing this long dramatic monologue to him, and then you see the the lightning bolt sort of rise up, and you and then you hear the sound effect, and then you see Gordon kind of hear hear the noise, and then go running towards it. I think that's a that's a really striking opening sequence to an episode as well. So yeah, I don't think there's anything fantastic in this episode. Maybe not what you would expect, especially from uh, the same animation team that brought us uh, that brought us last week's episode, which had very high scores from uh, from all three of us. But uh, you know, that being said, I, I think it's it's still it's solid. There's nothing there's nothing too great. There's nothing too bad. Uh, I ended up settling on a six out of ten for my visuals. Nice, yeah. Um, I went with a five out of ten. I I think that there, like I said, it was just unfortunately. I think it just suffered from not having a ton of action. I will say the only other thing I didn't mention. I did like what seemed to be possibly, I mean, you can't help but draw uh, parallels based on the, based on the historical significance of it, but the, the Hindenburg homage, as we see yes. the, uh, the police blimp being shot out of the sky, those actually, that scene actually is, is pretty great. Cause you see the impact, you see the explosion happen. And then you see this sort of POV shot inside this building as they're watching the, the blimp kind of mm. descend as they're watching out through the windows and these horrified people are watching this, this police blimp, as I said, don't know how anybody survived, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> nobody got hurt. Okay. Yeah. No, that, no, that is a, that is a fun sequence as uh, as yeah, it's sort of slowly descends in this fiery ball. And yeah, you see the, the, the bystanders both in the building, if you sort of standing on the street, looking up and they're, kind of completely in shadow and silhouette and then the the orange and the and the reds and the fire from the from the blimp that's coming towards them kind of illuminates the scene a little bit more as the crash happens so yeah that's that's pretty fantastic the effects of the like the way the the cannon fires up and everything and and is all is all pretty fun and yeah and that that last sequence as mentioned of, of batman 
kind of he takes like a nice moment there where he grabs the the thunderbolt and sort of rolls kind of stops and makes like the the quarterback uh throw there the javelin throw into it i think there's there's a nice little bit of like anticipatory movement from batman before he throws it where he's kind of got to you know got to take this one last shot to to save the day there so i think yeah there's there's definitely some little flourishes and some fun some fun ideas but yeah just i think because of what the script had it is a lot of uh you know, it, there isn't necessarily the the biggest opportunities in this episode for the big flashy action sequences like we had last week or the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I think uh, you, you mentioned it when we were talking about in plot too, but I will say that the setting, like the idea that this office space or this penthouse on top of this gigantic skyscraper it it looks like something you like you said uh, right out of a, a, a of greek mythology or something that sort of the Colosseum or or roman Colosseum, not the roman Colosseum, but what's the what's the eighth wonder of the world that's or one of the seventh wonder of the worlds that's uh the the, the roman temple the in mm-hmm. athens, i think the uh i think it's in athens yeah the greek temple uh in in athens that it sort of resembles it's very it's very greek looking with the columns and the the various architecture that they chose to go with that and that's where a a large part of the episode takes place is on the top in this penthouse so uh the fact that the background designers who we don't always talk about the background designers for batman the animated series but they did such a fantastic job and there's like so many of those because you and i had this uh the cd rom game you see kids back in the day <laughs> games were on cds and a cd was a disc that you put in the computer because your computer had a spot to do that anyway uh there was this batman cartoon maker game that we played for hours and yes. hours and hours in our life and all these backgrounds were part of that uh these these ba- famous like backgrounds uh eric Adomsky did a lot of the artwork famously for the for the backgrounds on this this dark paper and game mm-hmm. gives the the scenes uh really that that noir feeling and so many of the scenes here are so dark because it takes place at night and but it adds such a uh, authentic feel to this that this guy clearly has an obsession with with greek mythology and greek architecture and all of that so it really drives that home so i i really think that the the background work here is worth noting as well totally agree with you on that cal definitely some stellar work there and, and kind of adds to that the whole as you said the whole maxi zeus gimmick that is on display uh, from there cal we will look at music our third category music this week of course by the legend that is shirley walker herself and uh man that is the second that title card comes up that we talked about in visuals the theme that hits there the maxi zeus theme that kind of comes back throughout the episode man what a just just fantastic piece of music and instantly memorable Oh yeah, absolutely. And it plays, it plays again throughout. It's right, as you said, it's right after the title credits, it comes in matching with the title card. And then as it continues to play throughout, most famously, it's got, it's got those deep, deep drums that those orchestral drums that you can just imagine that people were banging on like those big gigantic ones that you see uh, in, in all the orchestras that create that big thump sound giving you that, I don't know, the olympic theme song sort of vibes to it it's the same sort of drumming <laughs> pattern that you would hear in those and giving you that that uh that greek or roman 
Roman uh, mythology type setting where you would hear these uh, hear these epic drums being played and then horns coming in over top of it. And yeah, it's played, as you said, right at the beginning, we get it when the lightning strikes uh, Stravos also. And then, of course, later on, as Maxi Zeus is firing up the um, the 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 electron weapon uh, later on that that cannon fires up and as it's sort of warming up and you're building the anticipation you the drums come in and uh it's it's really really great and then then i but not to be outdone i think we also get some pretty effective use of the shirley walker batman theme as uh, after batman has seemingly been hurled to his death uh, after after Maxi and him have this first fight, uh, and then Maxi begins firing up the cannon again. Batman reappears, and his his theme song plays in this triumphant return, where he's gonna. All right, I'm I'm putting an end to all of this. So, yeah, it's it's a really strong episode, and like as soon as that those horns come in and those drums come in, it's this is one of those that sets the tone, goes with this character perfectly, and I think it's exhibit i don't know d e f g whatever you want to put it for why shirley walker is was just the absolute best like this fits the tone of the episode fits the character very well adds to the story adds to the to the scenes that they're in to to create tension or to create to add to the mood and and done so in an effective way just a masterful uh performance here and an orchestrated piece of, of music Absolutely, Cal. It's just, yeah, totally, totally adds to that feeling, especially I think in those more sort of perilous moments for when Cleo's being strapped to the to the weapon or, or yeah, when Batman uh, is is sort of trying to free her and then he gets hit with the, uh, with the lightning weapon and falls off the building. You just get it, again, you get it play in a more sort of traditional, more triumphant ways. Almost sounds like it could be the soundtrack. Again, uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago sounds like it could be you know from from something like the ten commandments or some other like charlton heston movie like uh just just really grand operatic theme and then sort of played in more sinister ways as as we sort of see him becoming more and more unhinged throughout the episode and then yeah paired with the uh with with the great shirley walker's batman theme it's it's really hard to go wrong it does very much uh does very much control uh sort of control the pace of the whole whole episode from uh, from where it starts to where it ends so uh, and it's good to and we always talk about that when you have sort of a general theme that carries throughout the episode and that ties in so well with with what we're talking about and with the with the episode that it's that it's uh, based on I think that always adds a little bit extra so I ended up settling on a very strong nine out of ten for music yeah um i i felt like it's been a while well it hasn't been a while it's been a week but <laughs> I, I had no choice but to give this music a 10 out of 10 it's just it's perfect to me instantly memorable like i said it defines the character so well um it's it's played even very subtly and softly in that in that final epi- final part of the episode as he's being led through uh through arkham asylum there's some some great little musical ditty uh little notes there that are played uh mm-hmm. i just really really great um so yeah i i felt like i had to give it a perfect score based on based on the just everything that i said before about how great this music is uh, i love that yeah totally totally well deserved there and uh from there cal we will move on to our final category for this week that being 
the voice actors. We don't have a huge guest cast to talk about, a few notable names. We do, of course, have briefly uh, Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon. And uh, once again, this is, again, kind of what I talked about in plot. I really liked that opening bit of him sort of trying to meet the, the and then sort of arguing with the doctor, a doctor I should note, who was played by uh, Vernie Watson, who you might know as Will Smith's mom from the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air show. Get out. Wait, which, which Will? Oh, Will Smith. Not Aunt Viv. Okay, not uh, Aunt Viv. His okay, mom, I'm, yes. Okay, all right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But yes, uh, she, yes, she's, uh, yes, she's just there briefly as the doctor, but uh, thought that was worth mentioning. But yeah, I like Bob Hastings in that scene and then his, uh, his brief scene with Batman. So maybe that's another way if we're, if we're still trying to rewrite this, <laughs> this nearly 30 year old show here back down in our last category, but I uh, would have liked to have heard more Bob Hastings this week, but Agreed. Him, him being bewildered by the fact that there is a, a antagonist of, of Gotham City that is that is that speaks in flowery <laughs> language like this, I think would have been a funny, funny interaction between him and Batman talking about this. Absolutely. Yeah. But elsewhere in the plot, we do have uh, playing Cleo, the assistant slash girlfriend of Maxi Zeus. We have Bess Armstrong, who you talk about uh, just like an actress who has been on every show for <laughs> the last uh, 20 or 30 years. She, she is one of them, both doing voice acting and live action roles in things like Jaws 3D, as well as Grey's Anatomy more recently. And a lot, if you look at her IMDb page, it's a ton of, you know, one episode here, three episodes here, two episodes there on a lot of different network television shows and, and sitcoms. Uh, I, I don't feel like she gets a ton to do, I do think she has maybe one moment towards the end of the episode where she's really sort of pleading with him to, to stop this and, 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 and let it all go where, where I think she, she gets a little bit more to do, but she's mostly just there to kind of be the, to dump a little exposition about how, how Maxi Zeus became Maxi Zeus and then to kind of stand there and, and go, Oh no, as, as Batman and, and Maxi Zeus sort of fight around her. Yeah, I don't think it was bad. I think there were times that lines felt like they were a little bit over the top. Like she was, when she was, uh, you know, to kind of talking to Maxie, but really talking to herself and sort of wondering what's happened to him. It's, it seemed a little bit of, of overacting for my taste at least. But I think that, as you mentioned, like when she, when once she witnesses him turning the, the cannon on the police and then, after she's strapped to it and then even after she escapes from it or Batman cuts her off of it and she's beginning to witness him firing up the cannon again and then watches Maxie, this man who she loves, insanely jump off of the building to attempt to grab onto this this uh, this lightning bolt staff that he's been carrying for carrying around uh, is is quite heartbreaking and I think that her performance does well to certainly express the heartbreak that she has uh, in those moments at least. Thank you. 
along with our with her we had our main villain of the piece that being uh steve who uh just a veteran voice actor has done a lot of voices from things like the old the old transformers cartoons and other video games and cartoons uh maybe most famously did a voice in monsters inc uh but uh playing maxi zeus here man he just he really nails the the flowery uh crazy greek god speeches that he that he's given here just just wall-to-wall soliloquies and and silly things for a guy to say that he he really just really commits to yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think Mr. Suskind is he was he was perfectly cast. Like I don't know a whole bunch about, but uh, it really really seems like this this fit him, uh, and and he got he had the opportunity to to overact because in this case the character was called to overact because he's as I mentioned delivering all this very flowery over the top thespian sort of Shakespearean type of dialogue using these and thous and, you know, speaking as if he was this Greek God, uh, perhaps in a, in a dramatization, if you will. So yeah, I think, I think he excelled at it. I thought that, that he did a really strong, uh, strong, uh, had, had a really strong uh, performance for this week. It's a shame that this is really the only appearance that we get of this character, because I, I feel like, he would have been, he certainly would have been one to, funny one to revisit again based on the mm-hmm. dialogue that he was given and the performance that he had from it. So uh, yeah, I, I think he having the, the lion's share of the, of the uh, dialogue for this week's episode certainly wasn't in bad hands because I think the performance that came off was to be this over-the-top character. And, and I, I feel like he filled those shoes pretty well absolutely yeah he's he's a lot of fun and like we said it you wish he had a a bit more to do in the script like i said he delivers those monologues tremendously well but again i feel like you really could have played up the 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 comedic side of this of this character especially him playing off the uh the the two thugs but uh that being said yeah nothing nothing to fault with his personal performance a great job there and of course, again, we have Kevin Conroy's Batman, who, unlike last week, where he was uh, absolutely the, the main attraction playing the hero and the villain, uh, not a lot for Batman to do this week. Uh, a lot of just sort of general reacting to, uh, to Max. I do think he gets uh, some fun some fun dialogue in that that first interaction they had where, where Maxie keeps calling him Hades and all of that, and him just sort of generally reacting with that sort of quiet sarcastic wit about him but uh yeah not a ton for our our main actor to do this week but uh obviously a a solid job nonetheless who dares of course like the shadow of ebon winged night he rises from the dark realm behold the coming of my brother lord hades Welcome, Lord Hades. Be serious, Max. That's Batman. But Batman is a mere mortal. And what mortal could reach the summit of Mount Olympus and survive? Come, Dark Brother. Avail yourself of the nectar of the gods. No, thanks. I just want to ask you a few questions about... Hold! The words of the gods are not for the ears of mere muses. Yep, that's me, just a lowly muse. Whatever. 
Now, my brother, what brings you to me? Has Lord Vulcan been causing you trouble again? Yeah, he plays off Mr. Suskin pretty well. And I think that, uh, I think, as you mentioned, that their first interaction and then Batman, he does have that that short interaction with Cleo a little bit later where he sort of has to appeal and hope that she will help him, even though it's hard for her at this point to, to see Maxie the way that he is. She still, of course, has some loyalty to him. And for Batman to have to appeal to her to have uh, to 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 get the help that maxi needs while he still has the ability to um i think you know kevin conroy's compassion and his his the that gentle nature that batman sort of has under the surface there that we've talked about uh even in last week's episode i think it does comes out again in mr conroy's performance so yeah it's not a lot for him to do but unsurprisingly what he was given to do is uh, was pretty darn good Absolutely, Cal, and I guess that will bring us to our scores for voice acting here. Uh, tallying everything up, I think uh, Mr. Suskin's really, really strong. Uh, I don't think most of the rest of the cast really gets enough to do, uh, but really just on the strength of his performance alone, I ended up giving this a pretty strong uh, 7 out of 10. Nice. I went just a tick higher. I went 8 out of 10. I think that, uh, yeah, Mr. Suskin's performance, because he has the lion's share and he just knocks it out of the park with his over-the-top nature for an over-the-top character, uh, and and the fact that he he sold it. He went all in. He didn't he didn't hold back. I think uh, paid off for this. So, yeah, I went just a, a, tick tire, a tick higher with an 8 out of 10. Love it. Yeah. So that will uh, begin to look, have us look at our final scores and tallying everything up here. I have a final score of 27 out of 40. Nice. And uh, we differed on a couple of, of scores here. So I'm just a couple of ticks higher. I went with a 29 out of 40. Well, there we go. Uh, as we then will then move into rewatchability here, Cal, uh, this character does not come back on screen. Uh, unfortunately, we do uh, we do get some appearances from him in the various uh, DCAU tie-in comics, but uh, not uh, not a lot more to say about Maxi Zeus the character in this series going forward. Uh, when it comes to rewatchability, what say you? Yeah, I, I'd say in all in all realization, and I mean in all <laughs> when it all comes down to it, I think that it's safe to say that this one is a skip. Um, it is fun, but there's no real long term, uh, you know, anything that that happens here long term that that affects the rest of the universe or you know, or even this Batman series as you mentioned, it's his his one and only appearance. It's fun. It's 22 minutes of, of some fun that kids and adults can probably sit down and enjoy together for various reasons. But I think there's a, a, a myriad of Batman, the animated series episodes that I would recommend uh, in those categories before I would recommend this one. So I'm going to go ahead and say this one's a skip. What about you? Yeah, I think I would agree. Uh, don't skip the tracks if they come up, if you're listening to the soundtrack uh, sure <laughs> and enough. you have this one, the tremendous pieces of music. And like we said, there's really nothing wrong with this episode, but as, as far as the way we kind of grade the, uh, the rewatchability, I, I think you could, you could skip this and you, you wouldn't miss too much. So, uh, and again, that doesn't, that's not to say we didn't have a, a fun time watching it, but that's, uh, that's just how that goes. And uh, all right, Cal, that will begin to wrap us up this week. And uh, thank you, everyone, as always, for 
whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or if you're listening and watching on the Pod Tower YouTube channel, we appreciate you wherever you are. If, uh, if whatever you're listening to us on allows you to leave us a review or give us five stars, we would appreciate if you took the time to do that. That does help us out. It kind of bumps us up in search algorithms and maybe helps get a few more ears on the podcast every week. We do appreciate uh, that for, for everyone who has already done that. And uh, if you'd like to support the show in a more direct way, you can always head to dcaureview.com. We do have a store page up there that you can get to from there. You can buy yourself a shirt or a hat or a mug or something like that if you're uh, if you're interested in supporting us that way. Uh, we've felt a lot of support this month, especially not only hitting our 200th episode, as you mentioned, Cal, but uh, having the great Jordan Gibson on last week with us. And man, the hits just keep coming. But uh, I got to say, uh, as we begin to look at what we might be reviewing next week, uh, this has never happened before. Um, I think my spider sense is tingling. <laughs> what what are you talking about if your spider sense tingles consult your doctor <laughs> but you see folks tingles for more than there five callback this whole episode was a setup just to do that joke so i love that yeah that's right sense tingles for more than five hours please consult your <laughs> physician but uh, yeah i think we're gonna try something a little different this week uh, in time for a, a certain April holiday. That is right. We have discussed this. We've kind of discussed this uh, jokingly in the past. We've talked about, oh yeah, when we've run out of material and <laughs> decided to start reviewing Marvel animation, we'll talk about that. But what better time than to flip the script and uh, make the record scratch a little bit than on, of course, the foolish, the holiday for the fools, the foolish holiday, the most foolish holiday of them all. <laughs> that, of course, being April fools which of course is next weekend so yeah look for that on your podcast app we uh, we had a poll up so if you follow us on twitter at dcau review you could have contributed to this and decided which not only which elseworld elseworld we would cover but uh or what universe we would cover outside of our, <laughs> our normal elseworlds but uh, then within those universes which uh, which which show we would tackle and it seems the people have spoken and they've decided that Spider-Man, the animated series, is the direction, as you mentioned, that we're going. So we will kick that off uh, with actually the very first episode of that program, which I believe is a very lizard-centric episode. <laughs> That's right. Night of the Lizard should be the, the very first episode of the series. Uh, we've talked, I think we maybe have talked on this in passing. We, we certainly have some thoughts on on that series especially how it compares to what we usually review and we'll certainly save the the majority of that for for next week but uh yeah for for a special april fool's day treat we are going to uh give this a trial run and uh and just see how it goes for for one week only we will in fact be talking about uh the the other side the the competition as it were for dc as we head to the world of marvel and review the first episode of spider-man the animated series and boy i cannot wait to see what that's all about uh <laughs> for a lot of different reasons i think it could i think regardless it'll be a fun time and, and hopefully everybody will enjoy that as well and certainly we want to hear your thoughts and memories as we as we bring you something that we would really under any circumstances never ever do otherwise so that's right and so that means 
if you decide that as the listeners if you decide that this is something that you want more of we need you to listen to this episode we know how many people listen to these episodes <laughs> and if there's a steep drop off for this content this may be the only time we ever review this content as this podcast and it's as it exists in its current form so that's right that's what more of this you will make uh, us the april fools for even bothering to waste our time doing it if that's the case that is right absolutely but yes i look forward to that regardless because it'll be time talking about a cartoon property with my brother liam so looking forward to that liam absolutely cal i can't wait but until then i'm liam and i am cal and we'll be back with another episode of the bcau review next week Bye bye